You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. He's in the building! Drink the moment. Drink it. I said, empty your mind. Coquettish and coy. Ow. Ow. What? There's people that are dying. The wickedly talented. More than great. It was historic. Crack is world. Oh, good for you. I have to apologize. One of the hottest. Welcome back to The Reheat, a podcast that reexamines the hottest celebrity news and scandals of yesteryear and asks, how would we react to the same events if they transpired today? I'm your co-host, Sarah Sahagian. And I'm Sadaf Hassan, your other co-host. And in today's episode, we're going to dig deep into the force that is one Jared Leto, the longtime actor and musician who refuses to leave us be, in my personal opinion. All the way back to the 90s, we are talking when he starred as the beloved Jordan Catalano, opposite Claire Danes in My So-Called Life, up until now, with him starring in every other major blockbuster with the wildest characters imaginable, with some even considering him the Joker of our time, something we at the Reheat do not describe to. This is a man who was away at some kind of wellness retreat and came out shocked to discover a pandemic was going on. That is what we're talking about when we talk about Jared Leto. Sarah, did you dream of Jordan Catalano or Jared? No, I am not a Jared Leto <laughs> fan. Like, I okay. I don't really follow his work too closely. I've never seen my so-called life. I think I was too young for it at the time. Ooh. And I just wasn't interested enough to watch it when I would have been allowed to. Like when I went to university, it just wasn't one of the things that I wanted to catch up on. I did, however, catch up on the um, Soap Sisters starring Seal Ward, which I, I oh. highly recommend. Uh, but no. I remember Sisters. Such a good yeah. show. Such a good show. Uh, but no, Jared has never been my flavor. So I'm going to learn a lot this week. Okay, great. Well, it's not all great. I'm going to warn you. But yeah, you know what? I loved my so-called life. You would love it. I feel like a lot of our listeners would would love it. Um, Jordan, though, Jared, we'll get back into it. Okay. Now, as we always do, let's start at the beginning. For instance, did you know Jared actually had dreams of being a director rather than an actor? Amazing trivia. Not really. When he relocated from Louisiana to Los Angeles in the early 90s, that was the goal, with acting gigs on the side being the path to make enough cash to get along, which is surprising. Most people do like waitressing or waitering on the side, but anyway. After a few minor roles here and there, in 1994, he booked My So-Called Life, playing the angsty love interest who didn't really say or do much except offer withering and heart-pounding stares by the locker. I also remember he had like a very casual little bang that would come down into his eye and it was very cute. But anyway, um, needless to say, he and those blue eyes ended up on lockers and bedroom walls everywhere. He was in Teen Beat and a certified teen dream. But sadly, the show only lasted a single season. Jared chased it with bigger and bigger roles, starting off with Cool and the Crazy, How to Make an American Quilt, which I really love personally, and Switchback. Yeah. His next most notable role, however, came in 1997 with the biopic Prefontaine about Olympian runner Steve Prefontaine. This is our first known 
historic example of Jared going what the industry likes to call method, which, as we have all come to learn, means taking your craft so seriously you inhabit your role even off screen in order to truly understand it and live it. To prepare, Jared lived a runner's life, trained for six weeks, and met with members of his family and friends. He also adopted the man's voice and vocal tics along with his running style. The director said Jared got so deep into it all that he was at times, quote, non-communicative, which doesn't sound ideal between employee and employer. That's so unprofessional. Yeah, it's not great. Now, while the movie was by no means like at all a blockbuster, it did win him some solid reviews, so okay, and one might say established his now infamous acting style. Mm -hmm. Then came the pan, but honestly not totally trash urban legend. I, of course, enjoy that. And of course, the Oscar nominated The Thin Red Line, for which director Terrence Malick chose to cast Jared alongside the likes of Sean Penn and Adrian Brody. All of which is to say, Jared built up some pretty solid Hollywood cred and directors and actors were noticing. But here's my question, Sarah. How the hell did Jared smoothly make the transition from dreamy teen idol into somewhat established dramatic actors? I feel like it takes most a little more time to get there. It definitely takes longer for most teen idols and most women who are on these shows almost never make it. Mm. I mean, Claire Danes actually had a much better run than, say, like a Leighton Meester, who mm. I would say is just as good an actress as Claire Danes. So I think the fact that it only lasted one season um, helped them, right? Because they didn't become super cemented as those characters. Yeah. Um, I think if he'd been, say, like a, a Dan Humphrey for six Ooh. or seven seasons, it might have been harder, just like it, it was harder for, I mean, it was harder for Dan to, to break out. And, and now he's in You, which is an excellent show, but a lot of those kids on Gossip Girl um, got type typecast. Like Alexis Bledel, also another example of someone yeah. who, until The Handmaid's Tale, didn't really do significant work. So I think that once you really get to know someone as a young person, especially if it's a an actress, not an actor, we just want them to be that character forever. But he lucked out because his show didn't continue. And so he got to showcase his range before we could typecast him. Yeah, you make such a good point. It's a very dangerous thing to be a CW or WB or mm -hmm. whatever the network of the time happens to be a kid on there. But I guess it was also because of the choices he was making. I mean, he definitely, he was topping around a little bit in genre, but he mostly stuck to drama. Um, it seemed like he was very allergic to anything teen. But anyway, we'll get back to that. Um, so Jared has not only generously gifted us his acting, but his music. In 1998, keen to be even more of an artiste, he formed the rock band 30 Seconds to Mars with his brother Shannon. That name, by the way, was meant to be a metaphor for the future. And in the words of Jared, quote, the fact that we're so close to something that's not a tangible idea. Also, Mars being the god of war makes it really interesting as well. If that oh doesn't god. make sense to you, it didn't make sense to me. Either. No. Doesn't no. make sense. No, it's just bullshit. Anyway, it, that's going to be a little bit of a theme in this episode. But Jared wrote most of the songs and also insisted the band not use a celebrity to advertise the music, which you'd think was foolhardy. But I mean, he also kept using his name and they did end up finding a record label. So I don't know. After Jared took breaks for films like Girl Interrupted and Fight Club, 
two very good movies, admittedly. They released their first album in 2002 to middling success, but they did manage to take off in 2005 with their second album, A Beautiful Lie, which in an interview with the USA Network, Jared referred to as, quote, a raw emotional journey, a story of life, love, death, pain, joy, and passion of what it is to be human. So if you're wondering what it means to be human, Go listen to 30 Seconds. To they have the answers. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that album sold pretty well. It saw the band performing at just about every venue and festival. They went on tour with the likes of Audio Slave and The Used. So not really our taste, Sarah, but someone's, but someone's. Um, so again, we're seeing Jared make a pretty smooth t- transition this time from acting into music. Mm-hmm. I wonder, Sarah, what do you think? his music has kind of told us about who he is and what his taste is. Well, I think that just like his acting, which is method, his music and his explanation of it is kind of pretentious and he thinks it's better than it is. This is like, I'm not pro Jared Leto. Neither of us. He rubs me the wrong way. So if you're a Jared Leto fan, I'm sorry, right? Like, agree to disagree. Talent is subjective. I don't think he has any. That doesn't mean... He doesn't have any. I'm not the ultimate arbiter of these things. But I just feel like he's very self-important and more self-important than he has a right to be in both his acting and his music. Oh, perfectly put. I mean, listen, if you are a fan and you're listening to this episode, you're going to have a hard time. Yeah. This is painful for us. This is not fun. I don't like this man. But <laughs> I will say I have tried to listen to 30 Seconds to Mars, especially when they started to blow up a little bit at that time. And, you know, I flirted with Audio Slave and The Used and like that whole thing and wanted to be a little bit of a goth for a little bit and never took off. But I couldn't get into 30 Seconds to Mars. I felt they were pretentious even at that time. So I don't know. He kind of oozes it a little bit, I gotta say. Um, Now, during this time, while Jared attempted to establish himself as a rock music god, that's not how I feel about him, but again, some do, um, who had a love of going super cerebral, he was also dating Cameron Diaz from 1999 to 2003. They were even rumored to be engaged at one point. In 2004, he also dated Scarlett Johansson. They broke up a year later, but reunited briefly in 2012 and were notably spotted canoodling at the Democratic National Convention. (laughs) Oh, God. How does... Okay. All right. Who goes to the DNC to pick up who's not like a political staffer? Like, if you're a movie star, I just... That's not where I'd go to pick up. But anyway. I almost think it might be genius, though. You know, if you really think about it, I don't know. But is it hot? That I don't know. No, because you're probably staying at some, like, Marriott. You've got a group raid and, you know, you're having, a like, a lukewarm <laughs> omelet for breakfast. I don't know. Movie stars, probably, <laughs> it's more glamorous for them. I'm just going by what I've seen I'm on Veep. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, they've got the VIP seats at the convention. Mm-hmm. We know that much. Um, and also, I guess that he and Scarlett shared politics, so... That's something? I don't know what we can take from that. Anyway, he's never spoken much about his romantic life, though he did say in a 2014 interview on Australia's The Kyle and Jackie O Show, quote, I like it all, man. You know, isn't that the problem? I just like it all. Okay, so I'm not sure what that means, um, but it sounds like a justification for kind of philandering and not being a very good partner. See, I do feel that everything, we're going to take it in a direction or it just does not spell any good for Jared. I'm going to, yeah. But I agree with you. I'm going to interpret every quote in the least charitable way, right? Like everything he says, I'm going to be like, oh, he's a cheater. <laughs> <laughs> I like 
dick. And again, allegedly, we got to throw in a few of those. But I don't know him. We but don't know I'm him. I'm just going to just assume the worst. Yes, I think that's fair enough. Um, now, it, so to me, this reminds me a lot. And sir, you already brought up the Gossip Girl cast. So let's stick with them. It's sort of like when Penn Badgley was dating Blake Lively. Yeah. And then talked about how he couldn't stand quote-unquote, plastic girls with their little dogs. I'm not saying Blake is plastic, far from it, but I love Blake quite a bit. But she does have a cute little multi-poo named Penny. And how do I know (laughs) that? Who cares? But again, I do really love her. The point is, these boys love to say they're not about it. Meanwhile, here's Jared out and about with the most popular actresses of the moment while claiming he's not in it for the attention and glamour. Something just doesn't add up. You know what I mean? You can't be too cool for school and date the most popular girls at Hollywood High. Like, it just doesn't... work. And I feel like Jared wants to have his cake and eat it too. Like he's like, I'm a real actor. I'm not a movie star, but I also want to date like I'm a movie star. Like I just, I find him insufferable. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm already just so angry about him. (laughs) (laughs) We're not even halfway through. Okay. I'm with you though, because I think that's exactly what was happening here. It's just hard to add it up. And, um, you know, there was also the time in a 2007 Guardian interview when he said his workload makes it tough to make long-term commitments work. So there's that as Mm -hmm. far as why these relationships didn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. He also said, quote, didn't get that much attention when I was a little kid and I'm kind of upset about it. Had I known the powers that I had, I would like to go back. Go to therapy. Like, (laughs) if you have these problems, and that's fine. I have empathy for that. But go to therapy. Don't just work it out in your dating life and become some gross adult man. In fact, I would uh, forward that advice to all men listening. Please go to therapy. Please. It's a gift to yourself and to the rest of us. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Now, while Cameron spoke very little of their relationship in 2016, in an interview with Cosmo, Scarlett said this, quote, long, long ago, I had someone in my life who was forever unavailable, but like so attractively unavailable. (laughs) Rock bottom is the moment when you're like, I've lost myself. Why? Why am I standing outside this bar at 1.30 in the morning texting while my friends are inside or taking a taxi to see him at some ungodly hour? This isn't me. That is the moment you've got to cut it off. Otherwise, it will keep coming back. Suck your blood. She never names an ex. She never names anyone. But this quote, when it came out at the time, was widely believed to be about Jared. Um, There were a few sleuths trying to trace back the relationship she could have been talking about. It really could be anybody. But again, we're going to throw him into that slot because it looks like it fits. Mm -hmm. Now, are we being unfair to Jared? No, no. (laughs) The way we're talking. I mean, but, you know, are we taking off from the persona that he's selling? Is that what we're doing? Maybe? What if he's a super sweet lover, you know? Do we want to think of him as a lover? Should I take that word back? I don't like that word at all, just ever. Um, (laughs) Although I'm sure he self-identifies as a lover. I'm sure he's like, I'm not your boyfriend. I'm something more. I'm your lover. And no, I won't be faithful to you. But that, you know, what we have transcends monogamy. Like, I can imagine him giving a woman that speech. That felt verbatim to me. I have chills. That's exactly what I imagine. Yeah, I mean, listen, he might not be like this at all. He could be a really great guy. It's just hard to see that when somebody is selling this other persona that seems relatively douchey. I mean, it's just what he's putting out there. And sometimes you can read energies and that's good enough. I'm just going to say that. Well, what else? We don't, he's not giving us anything else. So how are we supposed to know if he is really a decent guy? And is he a decent guy if he wants us to think he's a jerk and a douche and he thinks it's cool to sell that image? Like, even if he were like a super great guy who always gave you a card on your birthday, if he wanted us to think he wasn't, doesn't that make him kind of a little bit of a jerk? Listen, also, people who are this deeply into their quote-unquote craft and call it their craft 
what does that do in a relationship? What are you talking about? How do you view the other person? What they do? I just sense a lot of judgment, perhaps on our parts too, I will admit, but I don't know. In order to put up with the method, you have to be like, first of all, I think the method is obnoxious. And I am on the side of Laurence Olivier, who's like, isn't it simpler just to act? I love that <laughs> quote. I feel about the method. Um, but having said that, I if, if you really need to do it and it produces great performances like Daniel Day-Lewis, I'll tolerate it. But Jared Leto, I'm sorry, you're not talented enough to be obnoxious enough to use the method. Like, you have to be (laughs) so talented for me to give you a pass with the method. I feel like that's such a good measure. For example, I mean, much has been made about Jeremy Strong in Succession, who I think is fucking incredible and probably mm-hmm. giving us one of the best performances on television of yeah. all time. Yeah, so true. I really do. I let him have that. He can do whatever the hell he wants mm-hmm. back there. And if, as long as he's not hurting anybody, obviously, but I don't think yeah. he is. So yes, I'm totally with you. You got to earn the ability to be doing that. If it's not giving actual results, give it up, move on, mm-hmm. go to school. And again, get therapy. Now by 2000, Jared started to pick up the heat when it came to the kind of roles he was choosing, admittedly challenging and dark ones. He chased American Psycho with what else but the very polarizing Requiem for a Dream in which he played a heroin addict. To prepare for his role, Jared lived on the streets of New York and abstained from sex for two months prior to shooting. He also starved himself for months, losing 28 pounds and injected water into his veins, supposedly. Interestingly, the most fascinating part of this all came after the film when Jared moved to Portugal and lived in a monastery for several months to regain the weight. I don't know why he needed to do that in a monastery, but... No, just go to Popeye's. <laughs> like, I could regain 28 pounds pretty quickly if you let me. Like, Jared, call me. I'll, I'll teach you how to gain weight. It's fine. I would pay good money to see the two of you have a conversation. Also, him in Popeye's, he would be too likable, be too relatable. I can't ever imagine it. Now, that performance did win him raves, though. Um, here he is talking about how pivotal it was for Vanity Fair recently. Requiem for a Dream, just a, a pivotal experience in my life as an artist, as a person, and working with Darren and that cast was incredible, and it changed me. And I did take a very immersive approach with that project and I did what I thought needed to be done because I had an opportunity in front of me and I was willing to do whatever it took um, not to let Darren down, not to let the other actors down, not to let Hubert Selby down and to take this material and to help bring it to life in the best way that I uh, knew. Sarah's eyes rolled back into her head. (laughs) So then came Panic Room, which I love, Alexander, a Lord of War, and opportunities to work with David Fincher again right there, Oliver Stone and Andrew Nichol. So, you know, he was getting up there. He was being seen. And after touring with his band and achieving what I hate to say is true celebrity status, Jared sunk ever deeper into his fixation on method acting. So in came 2007's Chapter 27, in which he played Mark David Chapman, the Uber Beatles fan and murderer of John Lennon. The film itself was controversial, obviously, for choosing to portray Mark's, shall we say, origin story. Then came the reports of how Jared was preparing for the role. Brace yourself. He gained an alarming 67 pounds to reach the killer's physique, which also gave him gout. He was even forced to use a wheelchair due to the stress, the sudden increase in weight put on his body. And after shooting, he went on a liquid diet in hopes of recovering. I mean, Jesus. Again, the reaction was mixed, but his tactics seemed to have helped his performance with Entertainment Weekly's Owen Gleiberman calling it a, quote, genuine transformation. (laughs) 
as the actor submerges himself in Chapman's couch potato flab and red-rimmed eyes. Leto disappears inside this angry, mouth-breathing psycho geek with the conviction that had me hanging on his every delusion. In a Vanity Fair interview earlier this year, Jared explained it all like this. Now, now for this one, you really have to sit down. Okay, quote, my technique is really misunderstood. I don't really subscribe to other terminology that other people use, like method acting, because it's been so perverted and misunderstood. I just kind of opt out of other people's, not vocabulary, but their scripted terms. But I like to be prepared. I think it's my job to show up and be ready to go to war in a creative sense. I'm not going to let down the writers, the directors. I'm not going to let down the day players. I'm not going to let down the grip. It's my job to show up and make sure I'm going to do my best. I know everybody else is working hard and doing their best. So I do whatever I have to do to make that happen. Now, we kind of touched on this a little earlier, but I want to get a little deeper into it. I know, Sarah, you don't think Jared has any talent, but I also wonder if him being so preoccupied with method acting has kind of obscured our view of whether he even has any. Well, he's committed, right? Like when they say that actors need to commit to their parts, he commits, but I think he is a case study in how you can commit and still not give an amazing performance. How devastating. Yeah, like, he, he's not in the category of Daniel Day-Lewis. He's not even in the category of, uh, like, his contemporaries, like, an Adam Driver, who I guess is, is a little bit younger than he is, but I would say is is a much better actor. Yeah. Um, And I think that when we talk, think about the method, most of the famous people who use it, like the truly famous people, are men. And I think that's because if you are like a Glenn Close or a Meryl Streep and you've got to like get food on the table for your kids after you're on the set, like you can't do this BS, right? You have Mm. to figure out how to act without constantly being in this character, without taking months off to live on the street or things like that. Like you can't do that. And so it's, there's this kind of, it's just this such a douchey white male privileged approach to acting where you're like, I'm going to take all this time and devote my life to this. And you can't have any other responsibilities. So either you let people in your life down, like BS, yeah. or I guess you have no one else in your life. And it just, it grates on me because I feel like there are all sorts of actresses who give us amazing performances and definitely don't do this because society wouldn't tolerate it of them. Society yeah. would be like, you're so irresponsible. Exactly. Like, how can you let down the people in your life like this? I completely agree with that. A woman could never get away with this. And no. if she does, if she would have to have years and years of experience under her belt, you couldn't be like Jared, who pretty much started doing this right out of the gate, which is pretty wild when you think about it, that people were so permissive of this behavior. Because the other thing is, a lot of the time, he's not, again, like touching on Prefontaine, he's not really the best employee. (laughs) Like, it's hard for everybody to communicate with him, including the cast, including the crew. And he's even talked about this. But what's ironic to me is that he's saying he's doing it because he doesn't want to let anybody down, that he wants Mm -hmm. to bring his best game. But I wonder if maybe he doesn't even trust his own skills. Like, he has to do all this shit to maybe distract us, maybe distract himself. I just, I'd be so curious if he just tried a different tactic, how would it go? Because I also, I really can't tell you if I think he's good or not. I, I'm like, think I'm going over his performances and I'm not really sure. I think he overacts. I've always felt that way about him. Yeah. And I think that when a lot of actors use the method overact, not all, for sure, not all. I'm not saying it's yeah. never produced a good performance because, because it has, uh, but I think that he is a bit over the top. Like, 
Jared Leto has a lot of moments that kind of remind me of, you know, the Mark Ruffalo scene in Spotlight where he's like, it could have been you. It could have been me. And the subtext was just like, <laughs> give me an Oscar. Um, that to me is Jared Leto like almost all the time. He's not necessarily screaming, but whatever emotion he plays, I think he just overplays, right? Like it's just over the top. You yeah. can't miss it. There's no subtlety. It's like, oh, I get it. You're being manipulative or <laughs> you're being wistful. Like, okay, it's, it's, I get it loud and clear. <laughs> you're so right. Um, and also, and we're going to come back to this, but he hasn't gotten much awards recognition throughout his career. And he's definitely aware of it. And I will say, I'm surprised at how much of his material I have seen. Like, he does pick most of the time interesting things. He just doesn't bring it. <laughs> things. It's usually his co-stars who mm -hmm. I think myself and a lot of other people end up paying attention to. The co-stars yeah. are the ones who end up having that performance that he's dying to have. He lacks so much actual humanity. It's really fascinating. And that's not just in movies where it seems like he's trying so hard just to be human, but on a red carpet, in an interview, on a stage, like I always sense that from him. It's like, this bizarre art piece, because he is beautiful, I'll give him that much, but it's like this bizarre art piece has come to life and is trying desperately to be a real boy and it's just not happening. Yeah. <laughs> now, before we get deeper into the politics and the parody that is Jared Leto, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. So throughout these years, Jared directed several experimental short films, of course he did, with his band, one of which was 2010's Hurricane. It was meant to be a, quote, surrealistic nightmare dream fantasy and earned him several MTV Video Music Award nominations, which at that point was really as far as his recognition tended to go. In 2012, he would make his directorial debut with the documentary Artifact, which followed the legal dispute between 30 Seconds to Mars and their record label EMI after the band tried to exit its contract over a royalties dispute. It premiered at the 2012 Toronto International Film Festival, where it did receive the People's Choice Award for Best Documentary, and it actually really won over critics and fans. So, okay, Jared, the director, he was making it happen. And I, I remember this at the time. I think he managed to tie together his music and his film interest in this way that actually seemed to connect with some people. Again, not us, but some people. Now, at this point, for about five years following Chapter 27, Jared largely focused on the band. It even seemed like he'd retired from acting, if only. But in 2013, he returned with Dallas Buyers Club, directed by the great, late Jean-Marc Vallée and starring Matthew McConaughey. In it, Jared played a drug-addicted transgender woman with AIDS who befriends Matthew's character while looking for treatment. Again, Jared took it extremely seriously, losing 30 pounds, shaving his eyebrows, and waxing his entire body, which if anybody remembers that press run, he would tell anybody constantly. You didn't even have to ask him. He was mm -hmm. just bursting to let you know. He refused to break character during filming. While speaking to the Daily Beast, he explained it thusly, quote, it's inside of all of us, our inner trans. It's about identity. All of us at some point in our lives ask ourselves who we really are. 
That is a very okay. problematic quote. Again, all of this one, Jared raves. The movie itself was the most acclaimed project Jared had been a part of. He was nominated and won his first Oscar. He also won a Golden Globe and a SAG Award. You name it, he was on the list. He was picking it up. So that was only a decade ago, but even then, the buzz around who gets to play which roles wasn't as loud as it is today, since Jared's been considerably lambasted for playing a transgender woman in place of mm-hmm. a transgender actress, with the LA Times comparing the issue to white actors appropriating and exploiting the roles of characters of color, and The Guardian and The Independent noting that trans actors are often relegated to roles of prostitutes, corpses, and quote-unquote freaks. In the years since, the movie itself has been plagued with about a million other accusations of misrepresentation. That's worth a read to dig into. Mm. Um, But this moment also presented a theory for me. Tell me what you think, Sarah. I have a feeling that he's been overcompensating all these years because he doesn't feel like he fits in. So here's a quick little compilation of two key clips where he talks about winning the Dallas Buyers Club Oscar. But what did it feel like to hear your name as Oscar favorite? I mean, it's nuts. I never in a million... They don't give Oscars to people like me. Come they on. do? No, they don't. I've actually never received an award for anything that I've ever... It's not a joke. Uh, you can laugh later, but don't laugh now. I'm sensitive. I'm an actor. So he does that a lot. There's a lot of clips of him where he's very, you know... Uh, yeah, it's just, it's not, it's an interesting look for him considering he always projects this image of confidence Uh and arrogance. Um, But what do you think, sir? Could that be, is it all just insecurity that makes him do all this shit? Yeah, I mean, I think on some level he really wants the validation of an Oscar. And you know what I think most actors do? Like even the ones who pretend to be cool or or are cool, like Kristen Stewart campaigned really hard for an Oscar this past yeah. year. Um, and one. she she is a cool vibe, right? Like, she does. I think very few actors are too cool to care about Oscar. I would say the only one I can think of where I really believe he doesn't care is Harrison Ford. Like, that's the only one where he says that. I'm like, I believe you. Yeah, that's a good example. Maybe Annette Benning too. I feel like Annette Benning like, wouldn't mind an Oscar, but also just doesn't really care enough to campaign. This is one of the few things I don't fault him for, like the fact that he really wants that kind of validation because like I want awards too. I think lots of people do when you work hard and he definitely commits to his roles and puts in effort. His performances are effortful. I don't think they're good, but if the Oscar was an A for effort, then that's okay. I think it was offensive that he played that part. I don't think he executed the role very well. It's a problematic movie on many levels. That doesn't take away from the fact that, like, Matthew McConaughey is is quite good in it, so his performance is legitimately good, and so is Jennifer Garner. She's quite good, but it is, the movie has problems, and as Sadaf said, you you should go look them up to see what those are. Um, But I actually kind of like Jared more now that I know he was so desperate to win an Oscar. (laughs) We want him on his knees a little bit, let's be real. I actually did not see you saying that, and I completely agree with you. You're so right. In fact, I would say maybe this is the one thing about him that actually shows a little bit of humanity. Mm -hmm. Just such a rare trait from this man. And so you're right. It kind of makes him seem a little more human to us and relatable. I will say, and now that we're talking about it, I'm remembering because I really liked his performance in Dallas Buyers Club. And yes, Matthew was amazing in it too. And I actually quite liked that movie. But it's another good example of 
going to go read about it after and learning more about it and researching the story and seeing where the elements of it were so problematic, including mm-hmm. in his casting. That was a yeah. key moment for me where I started to learn more about that. And again, who can play which role and why it was not a great choice to go with Jared. Um, but it's interesting. I think he's. it did make me think that maybe he's got it in him. But again, choose a little bit more wisely. I But I don't know that he's ever going to do that. Because I do think a lot of the time he picks roles purposely because he thinks they're going to provoke people. Or because he thinks they're Oscar fodder. Yes. All of his parts. I know he hasn't had a lot of success with Oscar besides Dallas Buyers Club, but they all scream like, give me an Oscar. This is Oscar Blake. Please give me awards. Thank you. Yeah, I will mangle my body. I will do absolutely. I'll cut off my arm. Basically, (laughs) oh, I could see him maiming himself. (laughs) Like in order to win another Oscar, he would do that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually would like to see that. (laughs) Anyway, at this point, I think it would be fair to assume that Jared's ego reached astronomic levels. We can simply look to his creative choices to determine this. In 2014, 30 Seconds to Mars was certified by the Guinness World Records as the longest-running tour in the history of rock music, which, like, who would have thought? All the while, Jared booked the role of the Joker in 2016 Suicide Squad, which was massive and deliciously panned. I think we're all familiar. Um, His portrayal was yet again extremely polarizing. It officially made him a well-memed, well-mocked personality on social media. This is the moment where Jared really broke through to the internet and got their attention. Not really for the better. Um, And a lot of this has to do with his noted behavior on set. Again, he wouldn't break character between scenes and took the method so far that co-star Will Smith said he never actually met Jared while shooting. (laughs) Yeah, he also made waves for gifting his co-stars a range of oddball items, including a live rat for Margot Robbie, a a dead pig for Viola Davis that I remember she said was brought in by a, quote, henchman. (laughs) (laughs) I love that Jared Leto might have a group of henchmen. Um, And also used condoms and anal beads for the whole cast, which... Gross, that's harassment. Well, I was going to say exactly that. There's got to be grounds for some kind of harassment case somewhere in there. Um, director David Ayer told Yahoo at the time, quote, he constantly has to give birth to himself. He goes away, he comes back, he shoots, he goes away. The Joker is something you have to be, and you can see how exhausting and painful it is for him to be this character. But you can feel it when he comes to work. The crew feels it, everyone feels it. It's like the bird stopped flying. He's fucking dead. Terrifying. Meanwhile, his co-star Scott Eastwood said he was afraid to even approach Jared. Poor sweet Scott Eastwood. And Jay Courtney said he thanked Jared for being, quote, generous enough to up his game and motivate the rest of the cast to do the same. For the record, Jared has denied gifting used condoms and anal beads. Just for, I don't know. Is that something you could even make up? Like, I just don't think my imagination would go to that place if I wanted to slander someone. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that it's not made up. Maybe it is, but I... What sick person made that up if it's made up? You know, one thing that I started to think, and maybe I'm buying into his bullshit here a little bit, who knows? Maybe this is what he wants me to think. But I remember when this press tour was happening, that whole cast was also ramping up a lot of this talk about what he did and what his behavior was. Mm -hmm. Even Hollywood really adds to the mythology of Jared Leto. And, you know, it's the way this director is talking about him. He makes him sound like he's a god, but he just sounds really horrible to work with. But I think... 
it also amped up the press and the hype for this movie. That was the biggest thing I heard about going into watching it. Well, that's true. And it was a bad movie. Um, so bad. And he was not good as the Joker. I, not that I think Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix was good as the Joker either. Like, I know he won an God, Oscar no. playing the Joker, and I don't think he was better. And I think that movie was, if anything, more offensive. Like, Suicide Squad is just, it's a bad movie. It's yeah. not, it's, but it's, it's harmless. Kind of, yeah, it's harmless. Um, but the Joker self-identifies as a, like a good movie and it's yeah. a, a really toxic movie. Um, so I actually, if I had to rank Jared and Joaquin, I'd give a slight edge to Jared, even though it pains me wow. and I dislike both of them. But like, come on, neither one is Heath Ledger or Jack Nicholson. Like, Hell no. neither one. So it, they're both, in my opinion, failed Jokers. They're not great. <laughs> Jokers. I think you're so right. And I mean, my God, we could do a whole hour just talking about the jo- history of the Joker, mm-hmm. but it, Heath Ledger also went method with playing this character. And yeah. then, of course, but people also mythologized that where they got to the point where they were spreading rumors that that's the character ended up killing him, which is absurd. No. But I do think there's something that the Joker brings with it now, this character inherently. You know, it's kind of like the new, um, it's like the it's like the male version of a Jane Austen character. <laughs> Elizabeth Bennett. <laughs> like it's just there we get one every generation. It's their chance to flex, but it's almost always horrendous. Yeah. Um I don't think you can touch Heath Ledger's and I don't understand why these men keep trying, but I think part of it is that it's kind of, it feels like a masculine, a very like ego competition that I see that like, okay, I'm going to carry the legend now. No, I'm going to carry the legend now. It's like none of you can do it. Jack Nicholson didn't even bring drama to it. His was fucking great. It was so funny. So I don't know. Jared needs to stay in his lane, I think, and recognize that that is not who he is. What is his lane, though? Like, what, I don't know. what could he do? What can he play? I don't know what I see him playing. Like, oh, you know what? He could maybe be the dad on a CW show. <laughs> Go back to your roots, Jared. That would be so offensive to him. I don't know what lane he could take. He needs to be in a parking lot. Like, there is no lane for Jared Leto. He needs to hit pause and reassess and maybe hire, like, an, like a coach, maybe even an acting coach, a life coach. Let's think this through. If he wants to be a character actor, he should commit to that. If he wants to be a lead actor, commit to that. But you can't do all things at once. There is really only one Brad Pitt. And even though we have problematic views on Brad Pitt, mm-hmm. I think he has actually accomplished what Jared is attempting to do. Brad's a good actor. Jared, I don't really know. Yeah, I mean, Brad, you're right. Brad has been able to do that, even though I'm not I'm not a fan yeah. for, for many reasons. And we'll do a whole episode on, on that at some point. Um, but you're right. But he chooses his roles better. And he also doesn't, I think people on set seem to like him, yeah. right? Like, he's not difficult to work with. I wouldn't want to be married to him. No. But he's not difficult to work with. Yes. Yeah, and he has gone from the very, very pretty face who nobody expected anything from into an established dramatic actor into now a character actor. Whoever saw mm-hmm. that coming? But that is such a rare thing to pull off. And unfortunately, Jared has decided for himself that he's already managed it. Sorry, Jared, but we decide that. <laughs> Now, Jared chased that 
masterpiece with the 2021 film The Little Things, which earned him awards recognition once more, this time with the Golden Globe and Screen Actors Award nomination. He also graced us with, who can forget, the role of fashion designer and business magnet Paolo Gucci in Ridley Scott's House of Gucci with a performance oh so over-the-top and distracting. Sarah and I found ourselves groaning through just about every scene. I think we just kept giving each other side-eyes every few minutes. He's so bad. The yeah. movie is like, is it's a good movie some of the time, mostly when it's Lady Gaga and Adam Driver. And then Jared Leto is in a different movie. And his movie is like, I, I don't know, a B movie from the 60s. Like, it doesn't even Ouch. have normal production values. Like, he's just <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I completely agree. I don't know what he thought he was doing. I actually feel like that movie, somebody described it, uh, his performance as an obscenity. And I feel like that is yeah. so perfectly put. One wonders who allowed him to share any dialogue with one El Pacino. He told ID, by the way, quote, I was snorting lines of Arabiata sauce by the middle of this movie. I had olive oil for blood. This was a deep dive I did. If you took a biopsy of my skin, it would come back as parmesan on cheese. Like, this is so offensive to Italian people. Like, (laughs) it's like, and by the way, he says much worse. That is far more offensive. Like, what is wrong with him? Yeah, I feel like this approach that he took, it was so wildly over the top. He reached another stratosphere with this movie. Like, this is a moment where I think he decided fuck it, I'm just going to completely lose my shit and that's just who I'm going to be. And it's really unfortunate. I think he jumped the shark and we lost him that day. In an essay for Airmail, designer Tom Ford, who was actually depicted in the movie, put it best. He said, quote, Paolo, whom I met on several occasions, was indeed eccentric and did some wacky things, but his overall demeanor was certainly not like the crazed and seemingly mentally challenged character of Lotto's performance. Because of the size and star power of the cast, the screenplay is at the mercy of servicing them. One feels that some roles were expanded to simply attract and then to placate the stars. Which is really interesting. Like, at this point, how many people are just sort of trying to service Jared Leto and the space he wants to take up. Now, in an interview with Screen Daily, Jared simply said of all the criticism, quote, it's that thing of if you're not pissing people off, then you're doing something wrong. As an actor, if you want to put a dent in things, you've got to break things a bit and not everyone's going to understand that. So if that's happening, then great. Okay, back to Jared's resume. More recently came the film adaptation of Morbius. Again, well ridiculed on the whole of social media. What with Jared's having taken the very silly role and work so incredibly seriously. He also currently stars as disgraced WeWork CEO Adam Newman alongside Anne Hathaway in the Apple Plus series We Crashed about the rise and fall of the company. In this one, Jared's sporting face-altering makeup and a deep accent to match Adam's. While it's on par, I will For me, with these recent projects, it's hard to look past Jared Leto, the actor, and even see the character. Mm -hmm. It's just impossible. I watched that whole show, and I really enjoyed Anne Hathaway. I will always enjoy Anne Hathaway. She was amazing. Seriously, and stunning. And then there was Jared Leto, who I just felt like was never actually acting again. Like, it just felt like it was this bizarre mannequin that I was watching. Um, Even with We Crashed, Jared himself is a big Silicon Valley investor, if you didn't know, Mm -hmm. and got in early with Airbnb, Uber, Spotify, and Slack. So, you know, if you have not watched the show yet, do it, and you'll start to notice there's quite a few parallels between this terrible CEO, bit of a maniac, and Jared himself. Um, So Sarah... 
do we feel like an actor or a celebrity can ever get to the point of being too famous where it actually does cloud our viewing experience? I think so. I mean, but here's the thing. I think if you're a good enough actor, you can kind of transcend that. And this is just proof that he's not, right? So I'm trying to think of people like, I really don't like Leonardo DiCaprio and how he grooms and dates children. Uh, like, as a date children, he waits until they turn 18 and then dates them, like, basically <laughs> after the, right after their birthday, which is almost creepier. Um, but I just picture, like, Leo just standing in the window waiting. Just waiting, countdown. Waiting. Like, I know, it's on his 17, Google calendar. 18, 19. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, that's what I imagine him doing. Um, and if you don't believe us, Google his dating history. We're not really yeah. exaggerating. Um, But he can, for me, still disappear into a role. Um, He's able to do that. And he's more famous than Jared Leto. (laughs) Like, let's just accept it. Oh, yeah. So I think if you are a good enough actor and you can still act, right, you're not just being a cartoon, then you are able to continue doing your job. I think this is just shows you he's become too famous for the amount of talent that he has. And so all you can see is him and how cartoonish he is. Like when I was watching We Crashed, Anne Hathaway is brilliant in all the scenes that she doesn't share with Jared Leto. And then in the scenes where she's with him, he's overacting so much. She ends up overacting too. Like, not as much as he is, obviously. right. But she's still overacting a little bit, which is something that she doesn't really do as a performer. She's not an overactor. And so I think you know you're not a great actor when you make other actors who are quite accomplished worse. (laughs) Like if ever if everyone is just a little bit crappier than they normally are, you are not doing your job well. The way you have decimated this man in every way, I really appreciate it. I it takes me back to what Jay Courtney was saying. Jay Courtney is not a special actor of any kind. He is a pretty face. But he said the same thing about Suicide Squad, right? But he said it in a flattering way where he was like, Jared just lifts everybody up because he does so much, we're all going to do so much. But so much is not a good thing. Like, if you're going to be better, be better. But don't just throw a ton of shit at the wall and then hope it sticks. Like, throw the good shit. Look at the shit. Pick the ones that Mm -hmm. actually make sense with this. And he doesn't really do that. But then I also have this feeling, and we've talked about this before, but that Hollywood kind of just loves a dick, especially when it's a man. Like, there is a little bit of a love for that kind of asshole. Remember when we used to call Anne Hathaway a tryhard because she cared about her performance at the Oscars? And Jared Leto, like, uses the method, abandons his community, and harasses his colleagues in the name of his performances and no one calls him a tryhard and no one critiques him. Like, he he still gets to be cool. Like, this is just such a great case study. And yeah. if I were Anne Hathaway the entire time I was filming We Crash, I just would have been silently fuming about I know. the double standard and how horrible he is. Um, but, yeah, I guess Hollywood loves a jerk who identifies as an artist and will do anything to get the performance as long as it's a man. (laughs) Yeah. And a white man, too, because let's face it, like, you don't hear a lot about actors of color doing obnoxious things like this on set and then being praised. Like, you don't. That's not, this is the privilege of straight white male actors um, who can afford to be on their bad behavior and then be praised for it because that's in the name of the performance and that's doing their best. Because Jared clearly, on some level, believes he's doing his best, right? You read that quote. Definitely. I feel like he is doing his best, by the way. I think this is his best. I agree with you. I I think he's trying hard. I I just don't think he has a lot 
to bring to no. the table. Like, we're such jerks. But you know what? Are we He's wrong? rich. He's super know. rich. He can just retire. He doesn't need <laughs> to curse us with his acting anymore. Don't ruin the next House of Gucci. Like, leave oh Lady Gaga God. alone. He really ruined that movie single-handedly. We had high hopes. But yeah, I do want to make a side note to all of that, which was beautifully put. Being a dick is not hot. I'm sorry, it's not. I feel like there was a period of time where we all signed up to that when it came to actors and celebrities, but it's really just not appealing in any way, especially not now. Please wake up if that is what is appealing to you. It's, I don't get it. Anyway, lest you begin to worry, at a youthful 50 years old, Jared has plenty of projects on the way, including a Joker follow-up, of course, an Andy Warhol biopic written by Terrence Winter, Tron 3, and a new film by his Requiem director, Darren Aronofsky. Jared told Vanity Fair recently, too, that he'd like to do something super different next, like a romance. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) I don't know what that would be. Probably black and white. I don't know. Very cerebral. Um, He's also very much still actively pursuing music with his band and being a general self-serious oddity on social media. Now, here's another whopper. In 2019, Jared and his his band sort of kind of started a cult. They invited their fans, who get this, called themselves the Echelon, to a Croatian summer retreat. In every photo, Jared is wearing a very cult leader-like long white robe. With his long hair, too, it really gives strong Manson meets Waco meets People's Temple vibes. They did yoga, they played music, they watched movies. The band tweeted about it, captioning photos with, quote, yes, this is a cult, which is a phrase they've used on merch, too, by the way. They call it all Mars Island, and the band gets it's dubbed the Church of Mars. And here's the thing. We could joke everyone who listens to the reheat is part of our cult, right? But we're not sitting around with beards and robes on on a desolate island chanting together either. At some point, the joke is just a veneer. You take one look at those photos and everyone looks like they're in worship of this man. Yeah, this sounds like a cult. I mean, if it walks like a cult, if it talks like a cult, it's a cult. I'm getting some Nexium-esque vibes, maybe even some Manson vibes. I'm not saying that they murdered anyone, uh, but this is a little creepy. Yeah, didn't murder anyone as far as we know. As far as we know. Allegedly, they are not murderers. Allegedly, there we go. And he remains a major fashion plate, particularly for Gucci, which I actually think is a good avenue for him. Mm-hmm. No talking, just strutting. He can do that. He can be pretty. He's handsome. Yeah, he can wear clothes. Yeah, there you go. He's happily dating 28-year-old model Valerie Kaufman, and he's purchased a former Air Force base that he plans to live in. Good for you, Jerry. What the hell? Wait, what? Yeah. An Air Force base? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was casually drop that. That's really all we know about it. Um, I'm sure it's probably for a future character. Who knows? But we do have to touch on one more thing, which brings back glimmers of Leo, as you brought up earlier, Sarah. So this is all happening. He's succeeding. He's at the peak of his, his career as incredibly concerning and age-old rumors that he has a taste for significantly younger women continue to follow him. A New York Post story from 2005 alleged that he had a habit of, quote, constantly texting 16 and 17-year-old teen models. And in 2018, things were reheated when actor Dylan Sprouse tweeted at Jared, writing, quote, now that you've slid into the DMs of every female model aged 18 to 25, what would you say your success rate is? By the way, Dylan was dating... Uh, model Barbara Palvin at the time. So I don't know if there was a connection there, just saying. In a Contemptor article in 2015, writer Evangeline Van Houten put together a list of since-deleted posts from women claiming to have been assaulted or coerced by Jared in their teens. And 
just as a side note, there are plenty of tweets out there even right now of um, women claiming that they've experienced the same with Jared. The rumor has been out there. What's interesting is that it's never really been picked up. People don't actually face it head on. Um, So Sarah, my question for you is an obvious one. Why do we think he's been getting away with it? Is he ever going to have a reckoning? Hopefully. I mean, it seems like he has a really good team in place, right? Like, yeah. That is the only explanation I can come up with. Um, And I guess it also helps if you're in high-profile projects because then those studios also help to disappear um, those rumors because they don't want those projects to fail. Um, But that's horrifying, and and I hope there is a reckoning because this is not okay behavior. This man is is 50. Like, he he needs to um, be held accountable for the way he's behaved. And also, I mean, it's not illegal to date a 28-year-old when you're 50, but, like, that's also kind of gross. Like, don't do that. I don't like it either. Um, Yeah, I really hope he does get held to some accountability at some point. And if you're listening... Keep those rumors in mind while you're watching him because I have a feeling they are going to blow up at some point soon. Now, this brings us to our final segment. Hindsight is 2022, where we choose the one moment that we might have handled differently if we were the subject of the story. I shouldn't have done that. Sarah, what would that be for you? Well, first of all, I want to apologize. You might be able to hear my daughter in the background screaming, watch Red Panda. Um my husband is trying to put her to bed and she is insisting that she wants to watch the Pixar movie Turning Red. That's what she calls it, Red Panda. She's screaming because of Jared Leto. That's what we're going to we'll go. We'll go with that. But she, she is screaming, <laughs> watch Red Panda, watch Red Panda. So if you can hear that, my apologies. She's okay. She's with my husband. I have not abandoned her. <laughs> um, um, so what would I have done differently? I just wouldn't have started with the method if I were Jared Leto because I don't think the quality of his performances would be any different if he didn't use it. Actually, a horrifying thought is, what if they'd be worse? Like, what if he's better because of it? Oh, God. And he could be an even worse actor <laughs> if he didn't use the method. Um, I hope that's not the case. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's how little faith we have. <laughs> no, I, I actually, I, I do genuinely believe I don't think it could possibly be making him any better. Like, I think when you put yeah. that much stress on your body um, and on your psyche by tormenting yourself like this, like, I think it's probably making you worse. Um, yeah. And I think, I even think somebody like Daniel Day-Lewis, my hot take is like, I think he might be better if he didn't use the method because I think it causes a lot of stress. But I am not an actor or an acting professor, so I'm not an expert. That's just a hypothesis I personally have. So, Jared, you know, maybe try not using the method because it seems like it makes you a jerk to other people on set and it really is taking a toll on you, the person. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. Even with all the actors we love who do it and who we will allow to do it, they're probably really having some not-so-great personal lives Mm -hmm. whenever they do this. So, you know, let's think it through. Um, For me, I would just hope that at some point, someday, Jared will pay some due to Jordan Catalano, who I really do put think put him on the map. But because of who Jared is and because he feels that he is the most serious, most traumatic actor of our time, he will never give due to something as um, YA and soft and romantic as my so-called life. And I think that's unfortunate because it really did give him, I think, I think, 
catalyzed the fame that we're seeing him have now. <laughs> um, so we could also blame it, but I love the show, so we won't do that. But I would love for him to give it a little bit of credit, especially if he wants to be in the romantic genre. Mm-hmm. Um, you gotta pay a few dues before you do that, for me anyway. Um, you can't be shitting on it and then jumping right back into yeah. it. I would also like to see him work with some women because that might be something that pulls out a little bit something different in him. He has a habit of really working with every male director you can think of. Yeah. Um, there are women out there who direct Jared. And with that, we are at the end of this episode. I want to thank our amazing producer, Joe Fish, as always. And if you want to hear more from me, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Sadaf Asan. Sarah, where can our listeners find you? Listeners can find me at Thursa Higian. And if you liked this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe so other listeners can find us too. Thanks for listening. 